0: So this past weekend, um, Justin and I were home. I was in one room and he was in another, and I was watching TV or whatever, and he was in our room. He's been trying to install something on his computer for a long time, and he keeps on having problems with it.
1: It wasn't working right. Nothing was working right. So I finally erased everything, restarted over, and I started deleting system files. which, uh, yeah, it's not good. So it was at that point I started getting uh, frustrated. Uh, My wife was out in the living room watching TV. And
0: And I could hear him getting more and more frustrated with what he was trying to install on the computer. And so I just decided I'm not going to pay attention because he's going to get frustrated, and then I'm going to hear him get frustrated.
1: Prone to get upset at little things like traffic, and computers, and just little annoyances that that bother. And I just stopped, and I th- thought about it. I, I don't want to be angry and upset. I don't want to be that guy. So <clears throat> I found some, uh, fortunately, all the music was saved, and I threw uh, some music on, some good old Kirk Franklin stomp, and you know good classics, and it just started singing it. Can I get a witness?
0: <laughs> In a couple of minutes, I heard him turn on worship music, and I heard him start just belting out worship song after worship song after worship song, just singing along and praising God and not letting what he was dealing with get to him, but focusing on God.
1: Yeah, things just started going smoother. Uh, things worked right when I took my eyes off the problem and I started putting them on God.
0: About 20 minutes after he started singing, I heard him go, yes, thank you, Jesus. And he told me later that night that he thought he had lost everything on the computer after trying to re-image it. But after praising God for about 20 minutes, he found everything he thought he had lost. And I pretended that I didn't know what he was doing until a few days later, I just texted him and said, I know what you did there. And he said, what are you talking about? I said, I know that when you were frustrated with the computer that you made a choice. And you made the choice to take Pastor Ron's challenge. And instead of getting frustrated, you decided to praise God during the midst of a trial. And he was like, oh yeah, I did, didn't I?
2: You know we've been talking about perfect peace and today we're gonna go into the aspect of wholeness Um, how many of you have uh, made the choice recently to sing instead of complain three okay that's good it's worth it then well, that's what we had told you. We've been actually talking about peace. And uh, I've been hearing lots of comments. It's been impacting lots of folks' lives. And we discovered that peace, perfect peace, well, the way to see if you have it or not is if you find yourself in unpeaceful situations, difficult situations, you know, and uh, very unsettling, unpeaceful, you can tell if you have that perfect peace that Christ provides for us. If you can sing in those difficult times if you can't sing you don't have the peace okay you really don't because your focus is in the wrong place but it's still a a great challenge to evaluate from time to time do I tend to complain or even in the midst of difficulty can I sing And I was delighted we had a a meeting this week with uh, my Susan and Sue and, and things and she had shared with us about Justin and I said well maybe he'd share a testimony you know, because she was just excited to see that, you know. is that it's natural to complain in difficult times. It's supernatural to sing when you would rather complain. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's a good thing to operate in the supernatural. Well, in the uh, book of John, chapter 10, let me read something to you here. It says, John ten ten. 10, it says, The thief, and this is Jesus talking... And he says, The thief, talking about Satan, his purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. The devil's goal is to leave you broken in your body, your soul, and your spirit. That's the devil's purpose. And anything in your life that has to do with stealing, killing, or destroying is coming not from God, but it's coming from the devil. And Jesus said here, he says, the thief, the devil, his purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus goes on to say, my purpose, Jesus said, is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Now, if, if you have a choice of being broken in body, soul, and spirit, or to have a rich and satisfying life for 2016, what's your choice? Rich and satisfying life you know uh, other translations will, will call that a a um, you know an abundant life or, or or life in all of its fullness another translation says but i like the new Living translation here where it says jesus my purpose for you is to give you a rich and satisfying life that's god's will if, if you think god's in heaven with a big stick ready to clobber you on the head you're believing a lie god loves you he cares about every detail of your life he tells us in his word He delights in all the little details of your life, and He wants to help us, you know. We'll slow down and look His way. Um, Over in the book of um, Proverbs, chapter 4, and that rich and satisfying life, that really has to do with wholeness. You know, that's the word you see under here, under perfect peace, wholeness, that we're going to talk about a little bit, and I really believe it'll greatly inspire you and, and give you some insight for 2016. He says here in Proverbs 4.20, and, and God speaking to us he says my child pay attention to what I say I mean his word this is the manufacturer's handbook you know and he says my child pay attention to what I say listen carefully to my words don't lose sight of them you know you, your Bible gets covered over with all the clutter in, in the house and oh where's my Bible and read it in months you know that's what he's saying Don't lose sight of my words. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. How does God's word get deep into our heart? That's where it changes us is that? How does it get there? Through hearing it and through seeing it. Your eyes and your ears are the doors, the gateways to your heart. And whatever you see, good or bad, it's going to come in your eyes. Whatever you hear, good or bad, it's going to come in your ears it's gonna get into your heart uh, poke my finger in my eye got eyelash in there okay hope that eyelash don't get in my heart you know you know it's like no but our eyes and our ears are gateways to our heart and and when you take God's Word that's the way you get it in and see when you take God's Word in through your eyes or ears it produces faith you become stronger you, you begin to believe it. well maybe God will answer my prayers after all our faith increases when you hear God's Word it's just the way it is So he says here in verse 21, don't lose sight of them, let them penetrate deep into your heart for they bring life. God's word, it brings life, wholeness. It brings life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. I don't know if you knew that or not, but God's word, the reading and the hearing of God's word promotes healing for our physical bodies. Better than penicillin or anything else out there. I'm not saying you shouldn't take something else, but I'm telling you, God's word heals and it restores. So he says in verse 21, Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life. They bring life to those who find them that wholeness and healing to their whole body. Guard your heart above all else. Guard your, and how do you guard your heart? Exactly. Exactly by guarding what goes in your eyes and guarding what goes in your ears. You want to be doubtful, fearful, listen to a lot of some doubtful, fearful, ang- anxious, worrying kinds of stuff. The way I guard my heart is by guarding what goes in my eyes and my ears. So he says here in verse 23, guard your heart above all else. I mean, you, you guard your home, right? I mean, how many of you, if you see your kid leave a bicycle out close to the edge of the street, all night. You go, hey, go get that. Let's get that bicycle back up because you're guarding your kids' toys. What's going to happen if you leave it out there by the edge of the road? It's probably gone the next day. So we understand guard. You know, you, you guard what money you should have and all. But he says here, verse 23, guard your heart above all else. Above everything that you protect and guard, guard your heart. Why? And he goes on to tell us that. He says, guard your heart above all else. For it, your heart determines the course of your life. What's well, in your heart, whether it is faith or doubt, you know, whether it's peace or fear, it, it uh, determines the course of your life. Where, where you're moving upward and gaining, you know, height, like climbing a Mount Everest, or are you spiraling downward out of control? It determines. Guard your heart above fallouts, for it determines the course of your life, and avoid most perverse talk. And, I'm, so, I'm sorry? Oh, you're right. It don't say gar, avoid most. It says avoid all perverse talk. All perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. You remember we were talking not too long ago about euphemisms? You know, lots of times people will say something. It, instead of a profanity, they'll use another word that's kind of similar. And uh, our kids, I don't know if you knew it or not, but our kids had the same lesson the following week and it's kind of interesting all these kids going oh you said a euphemism you know it's like it, it, they remembered it you know and hopefully have, have any of your kids been talking about euphemisms at home you know a couple of you have you know so uh, it's terribly convicting when your kid goes mommy you shouldn't say that <laughs> you know terribly convicting but anyhow he says here that we are verse 24 avoid all perverse talk we have to give account for it one day avoid all perverse talk and stay away from corrupt speech look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you as we launch out into 2016 keep your eyes looking forward don't go looking left or right off uh, off of uh, the path that God has set for you mark out a straight path for your feet stay on the safe path don't get sidetracked you ever get sidetracked yeah. oh man we live in a world Of sidetrackness. You know, you're doing something and you get a phone call, you get an email, you get a text, somebody comes by, you know, and you're over here and here. Have you ever sat down and you're like, now what am I supposed to do? I don't even remember anymore because you've had so many interruptions. And it says here in verse 27, don't get sidetracked and keep your feet from following evil. You don't want to go that way. We got a brand spanking you. You're ahead of us. Now, let me give you just a wee bit of a review on this next passage. And I want to read this to you out of the Message Bible. We, we've been studying it for the last several weeks out of the New Living Translation and it's in Philippians 4, 6. Remember the filters we talked about last week? How many of you are here last week? How many of you are awake? Okay. We talked about filters. Everything that you see and hear, filter it. Before you allow it to get in we, we filter our water and all and uh, we talked about these filters. But instead of reading it out of the, the, the passage, we we all memorize it. By now, you know, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And then thank Him for all that He's done. And then the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep our hearts and our minds. And then He talks about, fix your thoughts on whatever is, we're not going to into that right now, but we had eight different filters that we're going to use. And well, if it's not true, if it's not honorable, if it's not, we're not going to do it. But I'm going to read it to you out of the Message Bible. Sometimes it helps us to sit out of another translation that is kind of like, wow, it gives us a little bit different angle, wakes us up. He says here in Philippians 4, 6, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions, and that's, you know, your request to God, let petitions and praises, petitions, you're asking and praising at the same time, in the King, uh, the New Living, it talks about giving thanks, thanking God for all He's done. He says here, let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Prayers pull you—I mean, prayers pull you up; worries pull you down. So he says, let your petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Verse seven says, before you know it, this is if you don't worry. If you pray instead said, and you thank God for all things he's done, before you know it, a sense of God's, what's that word? Wholeness. This is what we're talking about today, wholeness. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. If you choose not to worry, if you choose to pray instead, and to praise him and all, this sense of God's wholeness, he says, everything's coming together for good you know it says that's gonna come and it's gonna settle you down you're gonna have faith you're gonna be encouraged you're not gonna be anxious and and all so he says in verse 7 before you know it a sense of God's wholeness now I wonder what word that would have been in the other translation we read where it says if you do this the peace that passes all to understand will keep your hearts and your minds in the Message Bible, it says a sense of God's wholeness. Now, if you're a student of the Word of God, you go and study, you're going to begin to discover the word peace. Often, hundreds of times in the Bible, the word peace means wholeness. You wouldn't know that if you didn't study. You wouldn't know that if you didn't look at another translation. If you're not going to study, and they bring it out. So it says, before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, His wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. You remember uh, the last verse that uh, we read, I believe it was last week, and I've shared it with dozens of people, almost anybody who would stop and listen to me this past week, I shared this verse because it's just so good. It's in Job 22, verse 21, and it says, Submit to God, which basically means yield to God, surrender to God, and you will have peace. And that word peace is not just tranquility, everything's going to be calm. That word peace has to do with wholeness. He says, submit to God and you will have peace. Then things will go well for you. In 2016, how many of you want things to go well for you? I think we all do. We don't want things to go bad for us, do we? No, we want to have a rich and satisfying life. We don't want to have a poor and unsatisfying life, do we? Anyhow, picking back up here where it says in verse 7, Philippians 4, 7 says, before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry, to displace, to to dislocate worry, to oust worry, to hit the button, eject worry. It's It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Stop worrying and and, and have that peace and then he says in verse 8 summing it all up friends I'd say you'll be best by filling your minds and meditating on things these were the filters the things that are true and noble reputable authentic compelling gracious the best not the worst the beautiful not the ugly things to praise not things to curse he's telling us to think on the positive and it will transform and change our life. And this book is full of the positive. It is. It's life-changing. It has transforming power. The New Living uh, that we read last week, and we said this is the, the eight filters, and it says to think on these things, it says in the New Living, in verse 8 it says what is true and, and honorable. So it has to be true and it has to be honorable and right. Think about the things that are pure and lovely, and admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and worthy. So if all of those things are eight filters that are in a line. And if you're going to watch something, listen to something, think about something, make sure you filter it. That it's true, it's honorable, it's all those things. And a brother told me uh, last week. He said, "You know what? I'm going to put all those little filters on a, a nice little uh, you know paper. He was going to draw it up and make it look really nice and put it on the monitor of his computer. Was that a good idea?" How many of you think that's a good idea for maybe you to do, to put a little piece of paper on your computer or your television? You think that's a good idea? That's kind of wimpy. You know that, right? Well, for those who are not answering me, I want you to put a piece of paper this big on there, okay? Filter it all out until we can really filter the bad stuff because that stuff you watch and you hear, I'm going to tell you, one of the quickest ways to destroy a family is to watch soap operas all the time. Because you'll get, begin to project that stuff into your own life. you got to filter that garbage out. You really do. I'm just telling you the way it is. Isaiah 52 verse 4 says, This is what the sovereign Lord says. Isaiah 52 4. Long ago my people chose to live in Egypt. They chose. They chose to live in Egypt. They disobeyed God, therefore they went into Egypt. Long ago my people chose to live in Egypt. Now they are oppressed by Assyria what is this asked the lord why are my people enslaved again those who rule them shout in ex- exultation and god says my name is blasphemed all day long but i will reveal my name to my people and they will come to know its power is there power in the name of jesus i'm going to tell you demons and devils flee uh, people are healed and restored there's miraculous things to take place Jesus said you can go to the father in my name it's like him giving us his credit card it says good to the father in my name and he's gonna give you the things you ask for so God says here but I will reveal my name verse 6 I will reveal my name to my people and they will come to know its power then at last they will recognize that I am the one who speaks to them and he goes to say in verse 7 how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messengers who bring good news the good news of peace and salvation now if you'll just look that word up peace in the Hebrew because we read in English but if you look it up in Hebrew you'll find the expanded definition of the word peace that's used here it it means wholeness it means completeness it means soundness you understand sound I mean how would you like to have sound health verse your health is unsound you know I mean, how would you like to have a sound floor in your house? Sound versus you fall through every time you take a step, you know? But he, he, he tells us here where it he says, you know, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messengers who bring good news, the good news of peace and salvation. We're talking about wholeness, completeness, soundness. We're talking about your, your well-being. We're talking about safety. We're talking about health and prosperity. I'm not making this up. When he uses the word peace multiple times, not every time, but multiple times, hundreds of times, when he uses the word peace, he's talking about wholeness. But we're only thinking about, oh, well, it'll be kind of calm and tranquil, you know. But it's it's much more, much more than that. And then he goes to say in that verse that we were just reading, he says, "Uh, "...how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news, the good news of peace and salvation." the news that the God of Israel reigns. Uh, He's sovereign in power and and he's in control and and he rules and we submit to him and things are going to go well for us. Isaiah 52 verse 13, listen to what it says. God says, see, this is the father talking, he says, see my servant, and he's prophesying, he's speaking prophetically into the future about Jesus, his son. He says, see my servant, talking about his son, see my servant will prosper. He will be highly exalted. But many were amazed when they saw him. Talking about Jesus. His face was so disfigured, he seemed hardly human. And from his appearance, one could scarcely know he was a man. Now, do we have that little picture of, of Christ we can show with the cross? there okay now i just use great discretion for this picture if you ever watch the movie the passion of christ this is a very nice picture in comparison if, if you see how he's covered up how brutally horribly beaten he was i mean where it almost ripped all the skin off of his body when they use a cat of nine tails it's a, a leaded whip that they would nine nine pieces of leather they would dip in sheep's blood and then dip it in broken pieces of pottery and pieces of metal and the sheep's blood when dried was like a glue and on the ends of these tongs they would have little hooks kind of like razor blades and when they would hit somebody it would wrap around them and then they would jerk it and it would just rip pieces of flesh from their body and jesus had that done 39 times because every time they did it 40 times to a A prisoner, it would kill him. So they backed it off one. So 39 times nine, and then all the other horrible things that they did to Jesus. And uh, in this picture here, because I didn't want to have to tell everybody, well, if you're squeamish or if your kids are here, cover your eyes. But if you ever go watch the movie, The Passion of Christ, that is the most biblically accurate. That's what happened to Jesus. It's exactly what happened to him. And it's important to know that. You go, well, what's the big deal? He did it for you. He did it for you, and we're going to see that in just a moment. But the Bible says here, prophesying about it, and you can take that on away, says, but many were amazed when they saw him. His face was so disfigured, he seemed hardly human. He'd been beaten so bad. And from his appearance, one would scarcely know he was a man, and he will startle many nations. One day, kings will stand speechless in his presence, in Jesus' presence, the resurrected Jesus, for they will see what they had not been told and they'll understand what they had not heard about you know that's going to happen one day but our world just brutally beat Jesus just terribly you know Um, Isaiah 53 verse 1 says who has believed our message the message of salvation to whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm has God ever revealed his strength and power to you To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? Verse 2 says, My servant, it's talking about Jesus, My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. There was nothing in the appearance of Jesus that would cause us to take a second look as far as fashion, you know, things like that. He was a strong... You know, rugged, you know, man. There was nothing that would cause you, you know, to have wrong affections or feelings toward him at all, just in his normal appearance. Nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance. Nothing to attract us to him. Verse 3 says, he was despised. It's talking about Jesus. Right before he went to the cross, he was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows and acquainted with the deepest grief we turned our backs on him and we looked the other way he was despised and we did not care there's people right now I don't care about Jesus you know but they don't understand like those kings they didn't understand what has happened you see he was despised and we did not care verse 4 says yet it was our weakness it was our weakness he carried it was our sorrows that weighed him down and we thought his troubles were a punishment from God. It was not a punishment from God for his sins. It was our sins. It says, and we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. Hmm. Therefore, we looked down on him. We criticized him. Thought, well, he brought this on himself. He probably did something evil. We just don't know about it, you know. Right, let me read this to you. Now, verse 4, 5, and 6 out of the uh, King James Bible. And I want you to see, does most people understand this? If you're leading someone to Christ, do they understand these words? It says, Surely, talking about Christ, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities the chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we're healed now i think in king james and this is an awesome passage but the common person reading that don't have a clue what you're talking about grief and sorrow stricken smitten afflicted transgressions iniquities chastisement you don't understand so you got to study you got to look up those words see what they mean that's why I'm all in favor of several other translations to help you grasp and understand what God's trying to communicate to us today. So listen, let me read to you out of the New Living Translation, starting in verse 5. It says, But he was pierced for our rebellion. Pierced. You understand pierced? Spikes in his, in his hands. spear in his side. Thorns beaten down with sticks upon his head. He was pierced. You know, a lot of people are into piercing nowadays jesus was into piercing for you but he was pierced why for our rebellion not his own crushed for our sins the bible says he was beaten so we could be what the new living translation says whole now what did it say in the other translation the chastisement which means beaten for our peace that word peace there means wholeness it means completeness it means sound safe healthy and prosper jesus was beaten unrecognizable so you could be whole so you could be safe you could be sound you could be healthy you could be prosperous you could be complete jesus was beaten so you could do well and that's exactly what it's saying now the casual look you would have no clue well, his chastised so I could be tranquil. And that's not what it's talking about. you got to go deeper and find out what he's saying. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. Beaten. You remember the story we talked about before, the whipping boy? In, 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 in royal circles, you know, instead of giving the prince a whooping, you know, a spanking, they would have a, a, a whipping boy and they would spank him, hoping that the prince, so you couldn't spank his royal bottom, you know, but you'd give it to somebody else and you'd hope that he would have compassion. Oh, man, my sins caused him that much pain. That's the way they would have actual whipping boys, you know. And Jesus was really our whipping boy and Jesus paid for our wholeness. He said so. He was beaten so we could be whole, body, soul, and spirit. You understand you're a spirit, right? You are a spirit. You have a soul. That's your mind, your thinking faculties, your emotions, and, and, and all of that. And you live in a body. We are triune, body, soul, and spirit. How many of you usually don't forget to feed the body? Somebody saying right now, boy, I can't wait till this is over so I can go get something to eat. But we don't always feed the spirit and the soul. And we don't recognize that. What happens if you forget to feed your dog for like two months? You don't have a dog no more. And we got to feed our body, our soul, and our spirit. Anyhow, he says here, Jesus, he was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Now, that's interesting. He's talking about specifically, he says, so we can be healed. Listen to what Jesus says in, in John 14, 27. Jesus says, I'm leaving you, before he was crucified, he said, I'm leaving you with the gift. Peace of mind and heart. Okay? But now here in the Old Testament, he tells us. He tells us something else. He says he was whipped so we could be healed. That has to do with the body. And that wholeness has to do with the body. And the peace that Christ paid for has to do with body, soul, and spirit. He he specifically said that peace of mind and heart, and he said it in the Old Testament. You know, peace was yours by his beatings, by his stripes, you were healed. That's a, your body, body, soul, and spirit. Wholeness, wholeness. I forgot my object lesson. I didn't have my bag. I'll, I'll be right back. <clears throat> Oh, man. This is a great object lesson. The only problem is you guys know that I'm allergic to wheat. That's what gluten is, you know, wheat. And I can't eat these. Somebody should tell Dunkin' Donut to make gluten-free donuts. So... You're so considerate. Is this? It looks like wholeness. Wholeness? Doesn't that look like H-O-L-E, wholeness? We're talking about wholeness. I don't think that's the right kind of whole, though. You reckon? This is more like holy, right? So when we're supposed to be holy, are we supposed to be kind of like this? No, I think this right here would be more like wholeness. There's no empty spot in us. You just don't know how much I want to taste that. (laughs) But I'm not going to do that right yet. And you know what? At the end of the service, you're welcome to help yourself to those, okay? Uh, Okay. Anyhow, picking up in 1 Peter chapter 118, listen to what it says here. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life. All of us got an empty spot in us. There's something missing, you know. This has got a hole, but it has nothing to do with wholeness. Okay. And he says here, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you had inherited from your ancestors from sinful ancestors from Adam and Eve passed down generations to us and the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver it was the precious blood of Christ the sinless spotless Lamb of God the empty life that so many people have could be filled you know and have no emptiness in there through Christ Jesus that that's what he's you know promised us that Jesus has paid for our peace Jesus, by his beatings, paid for our wholeness so we can be complete and, and, and have... What was that thing that we could have? A rich and uh, satisfying life, we were reading, and Jesus wants us to have. Isaiah 53, verse 6 says, All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him, Jesus... The sins of us all. You know, we did the bad. Why didn't he lay the sins upon us? Why didn't he lay the consequences on us? There's an old song we used to sing. It goes like this. He paid a debt. Talking about Jesus. He did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song. Amazing grace. Christ Jesus paid a debt that I could never pay. I couldn't pay it. I couldn't pay the, the debt of my, because of my sins. I just couldn't do it. But Jesus, who was sinless, was able to pay not only my debt, but your debt as well. And it picks up here in Isaiah 53, verse 7. It says, he was oppressed and treated harshly. It means he was tortured. Jesus was tortured before they put him on the cross. In every imaginable way that an evil mind could concoct, Jesus was tortured. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. Jesus never complained when they beat him and they crucified him. He never complained or defended himself. The thing was, he created the world. He had the power to stop it instantly. But see, he came to pay your debt, not his own. And if he had stopped, your debt would never have been paid. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was like a lamb to the slaughter. And it was a, it was a, a slaughter of what took place to the Lamb of God. And as a sheep is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. He did not complain. He did not defend himself. Verse 8 says, unjustly, unfairly, he was condemned. As far as the whole world was concerned, Jesus was damned probably because something he had done that's what they're thinking but unjustly he was condemned and he was led away no one cared that he died without descendants a lot of people like the idea of leaving their family behind you know that their name continues but no one cared that he died without descendants that his life was cut short and midstream how was Jesus when he died 33 years old that's young you know cut off from the land of the living As we know it, his life was cut short in midstream, but he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. The father says Jesus was struck down, not for anything he'd ever done, but for the rebellion. Because of the rebellion of God's people, that includes you and me, Jesus was struck down. You know, we're the ones who should have taken the stroke of death. But Jesus, it says, was struck down for the rebellion the father said of my people he had done no wrong verse 9 he had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone but he was buried like a criminal he was put in a rich man's grave but it was the Lord's good plan what good plan? but it was the Lord's good plan to crush him Jesus and cause him grief yet when his life is made an offering for sin good plan let me think about that it's a good plan was it good for him not physically but it was good for me and you that somebody took my place somebody who was strong enough if I have taken the consequences of my sin well the bible says the wages of sin is death I would not have survived it listen to what it says in Hebrews nine twenty two. in fact according to the law of Moses nearly everything was purified with blood For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. You cannot be forgiven without the shedding of blood. In the Old Testament, they would sacrifice the lamb, and it would cover you temporarily till you sinned again. But when Jesus, the lamb of God, came, and he was sacrificed, beaten horribly, and then sacrificed on a cross, he shed his blood not to cover our sin like a sheep's blood would do, but the blood of Jesus washed our sins away. I don't care what you've done. He washes us clean. Because what he did, he was beaten so we could be made whole. He was whipped so we can be healed. Don't sound right. That's grace. That's God's mercy. That's his love for us. Let me read verse 10 up here once again. In Isaiah 53, 10. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin... He will have many descendants. Talking about spiritual offspring. He will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life. And the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hand. It's hard to imagine the beatings and the crucifixion was part of a good plan. It was a good plan to rescue us. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, by his pain and all, he'll be satisfied. Jesus will. He'll be pleased. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, which means because of what Jesus did, it's possible for many to be made right with God. Jesus paid the debt I couldn't pay. He took the abuse that I I would have died in the midst of. And it says, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous. For he will bear what's that next word all their sins jesus was our whipping boy now you may not believe it you may not accept it but jesus has paid your debt and and the the thing that really matters the most is a young fellow to me i recognize he paid my debt and i surrendered to him and he completely forgave me but you cannot be forgiven without the shedding of blood and even your own blood will not make it right because you got sinful blood flowing through your veins. Jesus' blood was pure and holy and sinless. He was a sacrifice that the Father would accept on your behalf. And then the last verse here in Isaiah 53 there, I'm sorry, he says, verse 12, it says, I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier. Because, see, Jesus was here on a covert mission stealth he he snuck behind enemy lines he was camouflaged with a human body and then when when he he was crucified the devil thinking he was like everybody else snatched him down into hell where jesus proceeded to beat the stuffings out of the devil the bible says it he ripped the keys out of the devil's hand where he the devil could lock you up in hell forever and then on the third day jesus rose from the dead and the bible says this all the people who were waiting for the Messiah to come, who were in a temporary waiting place called the bosom of Abraham, when Jesus rose from the dead, this is right in your Bible, it says the tombs all through the city were opened up and Grandma and Grandpa and Aunt, you know, Bertha and Uncle Fred, they came out of their tombs and walked around and go, hey, what's going on here? When Jesus rose from the dead, other people did too. Did you know it's in the Bible? It says so. I mean, he wanted you to know there is no such thing as purgatory. People got the idea of purgatory from the bosom of Abraham that once was there, but after Jesus did what he had promised he was going to come and do and rose from the dead, there is no place like that. And there's nothing you can do to get somebody out. Jesus done done it all, and all you got to do is believe him. He done paid at all. There's nothing you can pay to get somebody out. That Once we die, we're in either heaven or hell. That's it. And our choice is to be made now while we are alive. Anyhow, let me read that verse. He says, I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier. So I'm, the first, I'm going to give Jesus the honors of a victorious soldier. It's the highest honor. Because he, he willingly exposed himself to death. Jesus looked death in the face without a flinch. Is that possible? Can you understand how he would do that? Knowing what was going to come upon him? it's just like if, if there was a grizzly bear coming through the woods would it frighten you the answer is yes but what if your kids were there with you would it frighten you but would you look at it differently Man, I'm gonna be out there with my pocket knife and anything else I might have on me and I think I'm quite able to equalize the situation but one or two things will happen if the grizzly bear is after me and my family I'm either going to kill it or it's going to be so full after eating meat it don't want nobody else. So my family's going to be safe. And what I'm telling you, when you're doing it for somebody else, the fear is not the same. It's just like for my family, I'll face a grizzly bear with a pocket knife. You know, just come on, you know. But if you're out there all by yourself, you want to run. Well, Jesus, you know, it says he exposed himself to death I mean he didn't flinch he looked death in the face and he defeated death and he rose from the dead and it says he was counted among the rebels although he had never rebelled himself and he bore which means he took away the sins of many and he interceded with the father for rebels father forgive him forgive her forgive them they believe in me I paid their price A mountain school had a hard time keeping a teacher, partly because where they were and partly because there was a group of big, rough boys who took pride in running off the teachers. The biggest and the roughest of the boys was named Tom. A new young teacher won over the boys. However, by letting them write their own rules for the school, it turned out that the boys expected the rules to be very strictly enforced with the rod boys helped write it if you offended the teacher had to discipline and and since they were part of the writing of it they they were adamant about it and they were excited well this was during the days when corporal punishment was allowed in schools does any of you remember when corporal punishment was allowed in schools any of you here ever get any licks when you were in school I'm not exaggerating. I'm responsible for wearing a couple of paddles out by my principal of my school. I knew him, almost saw him every day. And he had, his paddle was named Sam. And it had holes drilled in it. And after the licks I got from cutting up in class, we'd sit down and talk. Well, anyhow, we don't, can't do that no more. But anyhow, this article that I'm reading you, this was back during the days when Corporal Punishment was allowed in the schools. For example, cheating would be punished with five licks of the rod, and stealing with ten. All punishment had to be given with the offender's coat off, because like I would get him on my set down, this was across the back. Everything went well until one day when Tom, that was the rough guy, his lunch was stolen. After all the investigation and examining and inquisitiveness with all the students a frail little boy in hand-me-down clothes that were too big for him admitted to stealing Tom's lunch the students demanded that this boy be whipped when the teacher called the little boy up front he came whimpering and begging to leave his coat on the other students insisted that he obey the rules and take off his coat when he did A deathly silence settled over the room. This frail little boy had no shirt on. He had none. And his emaciated body looked like skin stretched over bones. He was really hungry. The teacher gasped and dropped the rod. He knew he could never whip that Little boy. Suddenly, big tough Tom, he strode up and stood between the teacher and the boy. I'll take it for him, teacher. After all, it was my lunch that was stolen. And then Tom pulled off his coat. Reluctantly, the teacher started. And after three hard blows, the stick broke. The teacher threw it in the corner and said, that's all, school dismissed. The frail little boy laid his hand on Big Tom's arm and through his tears said, I'm sorry, Tom, I was so hungry. Thank you, Tom. That would have killed me. We can see the heart of Jesus Christ as we see that Tom, he took the beating for that little boy. And the Bible is extremely clear that Jesus, he took the beatings for you and I to have peace. And that word peace means wholeness, completeness, soundness. It's talking about well-being, safety. Talking about to be healthy and to be prosperous, Jesus took the beating for you and me—something that we could have never taken—and that's true. That is, this is not some clever little tale of what Jesus has done. He did it for you and for me. He wants us to walk in this wholeness that He has provided. You know, in the uh, book of uh, Isaiah, chapter nine, verse six, in the New King James, it says, "For unto us a child is born." Unto us a son is given. We're talking about Jesus. And the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And then what? Prince of Peace. Guess what word that is there. The Prince of Wholeness. Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Let me read it to you out of the New Living Translation. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. It's talking about Jesus. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and peace will never end. Now see, if you study, you'll understand that word peace means wholeness. Let me read it to you out of the Message Bible. For a child has been born for us, Isaiah 9, 6, the gift of a son for us, He'll take over the running of the world. That's what Jesus is talking about. You know, the government will be on it. It says here, he'll take over the running of the world. His name will be called Amazing Counselor, Strong God, Eternal Father, and Prince of... Prince of Wholeness. We wouldn't have known that. We think of peace as some little tranquil, calm setting. Prince of Wholeness. Verse 7 says, His ruling authority will grow... And there'll be no limits to the wholeness he brings. No limits to the wholeness, the completeness, the well-being, the soundness, the the, the health and the prosperity that he... There'll be no limit. As many as come and and need to be forgiven and, and all, they're welcome to come. There'll be no limits to the wholeness he brings. I would highly suggest whatever translation you read... I would suggest you look in some other translations as you study this year and dig deep or go to the original language, go to the Greek, go to the Hebrew, but let's go deeper instead of just face value because we miss so much that way. Psalms 37 says the lowly, it's talking about the meek. The lowly will possess the land and will live in peace. I wonder what word that is wholeness the lowly the meek the word meek if you'll study it out in all of its context the meek is a person who is a god-controlled man a god-controlled woman a god-controlled boy a god- controlled girl if you'll take your time and study it all out that's what it means a person who is under god's control and it says the lowly talking about the meek will possess the land and will live in peace or in wholeness and prosperity That's what God says. Does that appeal to you? In in 2016, to to live in wholeness, to live in peace and wholeness and prosperity, I think it appeals to us all because Christ has made it available to us. Uh, And and then Psalms 37, verse 37, it says, Mark the blameless man and observe the upright. Keep your eye on him. For the future of that man is, what? It's peace, it says in the New King James. But if you'll look at it in the uh, message Bible, it says the future of that man is wholeness. So you've got to do some studying, you gotta dig to find out what's going on. And 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 here in 2 John verse 2, this is an amazing passage. I remember since I was a young Christian, and he says here, the apostle says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in what? In all things is what it says. I pray that you prosper how? In all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Prosperity and health here in this particular verse are are connected to the condition of your soul. He says, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Here's my question to you. Is your soul prospering? You know, contamination that goes in our ears and our eyes will contaminate our heart and soul. We won't think right. We'll worry. We'll be negative. We'll be full of fear and anxiety and all that. Our soul won't prosper. But he said here, I pray that you may prosper in all areas of your life, and be in health just as your soul prospers so for 2016 we got to do whatever it takes to make sure that our souls prosper so we will prosper and be in health and all those others christ paid for it he was beaten for your wholeness body soul and spirit he took the lashes on his back so you could be healed not when you get to heaven but now You, you say, are you saying that's that's relevant to us right now that's exactly what i'm saying And we can do our part. Does it mean we're not going to have struggles or battles? No. Does it mean that if you're sick that that your soul's not prospered? No. But I want to tell you, when when I get sick, you know what I do? I confess all my sins. I confess sins that I never even committed. Just to make sure. Do you know what I'm saying? I want my soul to prosper. I want to be forgiven. I want to build up my faith. I want to be encouraged. I want to be all that God has in store for us. It don't mean we don't have no battles, but it tells us we can overcome. We're going to overcome. We're going to overcome. Okay, we're going to close with this. I sure wish I could eat one of them donuts. Man. See, now that's, that's wholeness. This is a whole different kind of whole. H-O-L-E-ness. You don't want to be empty in your life. You want to be full the way Christ intended us to be. Boy, somebody should make gluten-free donuts. I'll tell you. Oh. Anyhow, Luke chapter 17, verse 11, it says, And it came to pass, as he, Jesus, went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee, and he entered into a certain village. And there he met him ten men that were lepers. Leprosy was a horrible, horrible disease. It just deteriorated your flesh off of your your body, and you lose fingers and ears and noses, and eventually kill you anyhow it says there met him ten men that were lepers which stood where you understand why they stood afar off when leprosy they would stone if you get too close people in the crowd would stone you and kill you it's like you have leprosy you will contaminate us you go out there to that little valley the leper colony where all the lepers live we'll bring baskets of food and we'll set them there as long as you stay away you stay away We'll leave you some food. And once we leave, you can come and get it. But if there were lepers anywhere, they would always walk around going, unclean, unclean, so people could get out of their way because it was highly contagious and it was a very destructive disease. So you had to leave family and friends and all. <clears throat> and so here are these lepers, and, and, and they're coming toward Jesus, but they stood where? afar off. And they lifted up their voices because they heard that Jesus was healing people, even leprosy. They lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us, please. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priest. Because if you ever were cured of leprosy, which didn't happen too often except when Jesus was there, people would have to go back to the priest. The priest ran the place, and the priest would have to look and examine. You might have had a nub, or your ear might still be missing, but if for some strange reason your leprosy is gone, he would examine and say, there is no more leprosy. You can come back into the community again. So the priest had the, the authority only to say that you were clean You know, from leprosy, and you was able to come back. So here... These guys were standing afar off, and it might have looked that Jesus—it might have looked like Jesus was afraid of them—but it wasn't the case. They just happened to stand afar off. They they said, "Please, Master, have mercy on us." And when he saw them, he just said to them, "Go, show yourself unto the priest." And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. As they were walking toward the priest, the leprosy stopped eating away. The skin just healed right back up. You know, it might be a little nub there, but the, the leprosy was gone they would be accepted back into the community again. (coughs) Excuse me. And it says, And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back. And with a loud voice, he glorified God. And he fell down. He made it all the way to Jesus this time. And he fell down on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. You got to understand, back in those days, the Samaritan was considered the scum of the earth. There was no lower, you know, caste of people than the Samaritans. That was about as low as you could get. So it says he was a Samaritan. Verse 17 says, And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Now, see, it's doubtful if those other nine They they may have been religious people before they got leprosy, but it it was doubtful that they wanted anything from Jesus other than this physical healing. There's a body that they wanted healed, but there's a soul and a spirit as well. And when they saw that they were cleansed, their speed increased trying to get there to the priest so they could see their family and maybe get their jobs back and all. But one of them immediately turned around, and he happened to be one of the lower the scum of the earth kind of people. And uh, he went and fell down at Jesus' feet, glorifying him. And it says in verse 17, and Jesus answered and said, Were well, there not ten quenched But where are the nine? Verse 18, there are not found that return to give glory to God. The word save means accept. Save this stranger talking about himself. Remember what we read there in Proverbs 4? And it says, don't get sidetracked. People easily forget what Christ has done for them, and they get sidetracked. Verse 18 again says, There are not found that return to give glory to God except this stranger. And Jesus said to him, Arise, go thy way. Thy faith has made thee whole not just cleansed you not just made the leprosy stop but your faith has made you whole and if you look up that word whole you'll find it includes not just your body but your soul and your spirit this guy went away with the relationship with salvation and where there was little nubs that had healed up on the other guys his finger grew back where there was pieces of an ear that had healed back up the ear grew back on. Wholeness, you study this out in God's word, wholeness, even here in this earth, not just when we die and get to heaven, is talking about body, soul, and spirit. It's available to us. The devil tries to lie to us, convince us that God's mad at us and you can't really ask for nothing, God don't answer no prayer, but that's just not true. God loves you. And I believe he wants things to go well with you. No matter what goes on in our economy in 2016, no matter what goes on in the elections, no matter what goes on with ISIS and terrorism, I'm telling you, you stay close to Christ. You guard what goes in your eyes and your ears. You make sure that God's living word goes in there, and Jesus has already paid for you to have wholeness, body, soul, and spirit. He's paid for it. He took the beating. He took the lashes. He went to the cross so you could access wholeness now. And one day, we shall walk on those streets of gold and we'll see him face to face and be reunited with all of our loved ones who have gone on before. But wholeness has to do for you right now. And I'm telling you, if you keep your eyes on Jesus, even in 2016, no matter what happens, the best is yet to come. Let's bow our heads if we could. Father, we thank you. For your word thank you for your book the manufacturer's handbook thank you that we can get to understand you and the things that you've done for us give us in this new year a determination to do what you said in your word to study to show ourselves approved to be workmen who need not to be ashamed who can rightly divide and skillfully use and teach your word we're determined to be that kind of person Lord, today, thank you for the price that was paid to wash our sins away. Thank you for Jesus willingly to look death in the face for us, taking those beatings for our wholeness, taking those lashes for our healing, giving his life for our salvation. We thank you, As our heads are bowed, I'd ask you to join me in a simple prayer as we launch into this new year. Let us reaffirm our faith in Christ, if you already know him. And if you've never really welcomed Christ into your life, would you consider right now when we pray that you would join us and pray and welcome Jesus into your life? Ain't nobody loves you more than Jesus does. He knows how bad you've been, the things you've done, and he forgives you. He gives you another chance. Would you join us as we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. And that's why you sent your son. And I believe that Jesus died in my place. And I believe he rose from the dead. And he's knocking at the door of my heart. I open wide that door. And I welcome Jesus into my life as my Savior, as my Lord, and as my soon-coming King. I'm sorry for my sinful ways. And I surrender to you my life, my everything, and say, your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Before you leave (coughs) on your little weekly uh, challenge here, if you agree to it, you can just check it off, drop in the tithe box on your way out. It simply says, I am determined to do what is necessary to cause my soul to prosper in 2016. It's going to take a little bit of studying on your part. We'll talk more about it. It says, I'm determined to do what is necessary to cause my soul to prosper. And it really has everything to do with reading and hearing this and applying that. And if that's you, check it off, drop it in the tithe box. And if you prayed with us just now, please stop at the Connections desk back there. And I got a little gift bag for you. There's a Bible. It's free. There's a movie in there that I believe would inspire you and some other little goodies that would uh, be an encouragement to you. And if you're a guest, we have a a little uh, gift for all of our guests as well. Please take advantage of those. It's all free. And if you need some prayer, there'll be some folks up here to my left who would love to pray with you. And I'm telling you that God who we serve is alive and powerful and he answers prayer. And miracles still do happen. So if you need some prayer, please take advantage of it. And then on your way out, would you speak to somebody you don't know? Get to know somebody you know? Or get reacquainted with somebody you haven't seen in a while. God bless you. You are dismissed. And don't be bashful. There's a dozen donuts here for whoever wants them.